You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Seconds, five seconds, two seconds. Watch it. If we could just take the offering that fast, you all the money, we could all go home. Yeah, you're not for that either, I can tell. Okay. I'm not sure about the Elijah thing, the fire thing. Like, the fire thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who teaches Bible around here anyway? Yeah, yeah. The fire thing. Yeah, that sounds good. Very, very good. Uh, good job. Mrs. Rule, what's that? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Okay. This is better here. Oh, the thumbs up back there. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Mr. Rose, you stand, please. This is my wife of 43-plus years, and uh, she is amazing, just amazing. Yeah, God knew somebody had to put up with me, so he gave me her, so that's great. Uh, we did not, really, we were not in ministry. I did not go to a Christian school. I was not born in a Christian home. I did not go to a Christian college. And uh, God got a hold of my life later on through Lester Roloff, uh, through uh, uh, homes, homes for children. And so my wife actually, she was an intercollegiate gymnast. I was, uh, I got to play football in college uh, for three years. And we met on the um, athletic fields and complexes. So she got to meet the, uh, the captain and the quarterback of the football team. I got to meet a beautiful girl. And that's how we got started. Where was the ministry? It wasn't even in our minds. Uh, did your wife know the Bible? I have no idea. And, uh, but she was pretty. I've learned this. You can always teach in the Bible. You can't make them prettier. So you might as well find one that is pretty. Amen. And I'm here to raise money, not to tell you how to date. So don't worry about that, okay? So it's great. But uh, we've enjoyed our life. Been in Chico, uh, 33, uh, yes, 33 years pastoring there. And uh, Mrs. Rule's been my side the whole time. Uh, we enjoy four children. Uh, we have four children. All of our children have four children. Uh, so we have 16 grandchildren by now. It was so great to see this special group up here. And uh, I know some of these young ladies in elementary and uh, junior high. And I'll just tell everyone here, it's, it's worth it to stay around long enough to see what God does. It really is. I appreciate it. Um, I say these words, I don't say them like rhetorically, but um, I love your pastor. And, and I'm very sincere about that. I like a pastor who's the same behind the pulpit as you see outside the pulpit. That's not always the case. And your pastor and pastor's wife are very dear people. You know that already. Um, I'm going to say just a word about pastor. Um, God gifted him in areas. Uh, I can give a similar background. Uh, he knows construction. Uh, I put myself through Bible college. I learned the art of drywall. And so I do know construction. And so uh, for the last 20 years, uh, we at our church have built nearly $10 million worth of buildings in the last about 18 years. You know what that does? It takes your pastor away from certain things. You know, I wasn't able to do everything. I was on the job site literally every single day outside of Saturday, so many Sunday preaching. Your pastor, as I hear, is now swinging a hammer and keeping things going. That would be a, a lot of money if you paid someone else to general that job. So your pastor is helping you do that. Can I just help you for a moment? So if you don't get that extra letter from him, that extra pat on the back, boy, way to go, girl. Well, I don't know if pastor really cares about me. Uh, pastor cares about you. He's building you a building. May I say something about Bible, what I like about this church right here is, I don't know if you know this, not many churches build. 
You can go around to all your churches in town. How many are building buildings? In fact, I know churches have been out there 40, 50, 60 years, and they haven't built in the last 40, 50, 60 years. And so here you are blessed to be in a building season as God has something for you. And just realize this. So you may not get that phone call, may not be able to get that, but let your pastor be the pastor he needs to be. And honestly, if we kind of self-govern and self-police ourselves, we can do pretty well as a Christian ourselves. So great, great to have you here. And uh, your pastor is gifted in those areas, so uh, let him do his work and just, just work with him. Well, I like building. You know this is all about stewardship tonight, right? Okay, you know, well, it's just it. It's all about money tonight, right? <laughs> Can you just smile? Just try your best, right? And uh, not like these two people down here. Just smile like we're going to do this, all right? Two things, right? All the money you need is right in this room. The only bad thing is in your pocket, okay? So we have to get it out of there. We'll work that, okay? Good. Uh, why do we do all this? Because we want to please the Lord. We had to make a decision on Pleasant Valley Baptist Church as I became the pastor in 1988, uh, the church was now 66 years of age. I am the eighth pastor. As I came there, 35 folks voted us in there, and God just blessed the work, and it's exciting. We love to do what we get to do, and we grew, and then we grew, and then we grew, and, and we realized we were limited on space, and we were having classrooms on staircases, and the kids sat all the stairs, and a teacher stood down here, and on the other side of the foyer, a staircase up here, and the teacher stood down here. We, we had kids ride a bus in the church, and then we made all the drive-ins, all the driving kids. They went out and got on the buses, and that was their classroom. The bus kids came inside and had the classrooms inside, and just to swap around a little bit. And we just realized that either we're going to have to say, no, no one else can come, or we're going to build. We're just going to build. It's amazing the miracles that God did to watch those buildings begin. How people just like this right here sat in auditoriums just like this right here and decided to make the future for somebody else. And so in all reality, you are privileged people to be at a time like this to do what God wants you to do and to see souls come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. So you're in for it. Take your Bible site, please. Be still kind. Take your Bible site and turn to Matthew in chapter 1. Matthew, please, in chapter 1. Matthew in chapter 1. If you weren't winning souls to Christ, weren't growing, you wouldn't need to go ahead and build another building. If you weren't educating children in a Christian school, you would not need another building. But since you're doing those things, God wants you to please Him. Matthew, please, in chapter 1. Matthew, please, in chapter 1. If you're able, please, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Matthew, please, in chapter 1. Matthew, in chapter 1. And not many maybe bring a Bible to a, a banquet. I understand that. Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1. Maybe have it on a phone or whatever. If you have Matthew chapter 1, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Turn back a page to Malachi. Malachi, okay? So, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Malachi, Malachi, whatever you call it, okay? You couldn't find it if you had to, so it's all right, all right? Malachi, Malachi, and chapter 1. Malachi and chapter 1. I, I love this passage. It's amazing. And you're going to hear some questions here, and I want you to listen to them. Malachi chapter 1, Malachi chapter 1. I want you to look at verse number 1. Malachi chapter 1, verse number 1. I love the first salutary verse. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Now, I know we just read that. We run right through it. All right, let me just try that again. All right? If you have a Bible, just look on and help me. The, what's the second word? Burden of the what? Of the who? To who? By, can we just kind of just set that? The burden of the word of the Lord. Let's stop right there. God 
God had something he wanted to say. And it bothered him. It bothered him. He was burdened about it. The burden of the word of the Lord. God was, how many married men here wanted just to talk to your wife and you're afraid to do it? Anybody like that? Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, thank you for an honest man. All right. You're going to walk home tonight. Besides that, you'll be okay. All right. So here it is. God was burdened. God, he thought about it. He agonized and he burdened about it. And the burden of what he wanted to say, God wanted to say to Israel, the people. So he said, I'll have Malachi do it. I have Malachi do it. I believe there's times that God says, you know, I want people to hear me. I want them to know God. I want them to, uh, to understand me. So he, he, he's burdened about it. So he tells a man, go talk to those people. And he does. Look at verse 1 again. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Listen to God. I have loved you. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yeah, ever just trying to just, someone just said the other day, uh, put skin on the Bible. Always say, don't, don't, don't just read it, live inside of this. I want you to hear that God say that. I loved you. Y'all thank God every day you're in church. Y'all thank God your church is open. Y'all thank God God's given you a man of God and a lady of God to go ahead and pastor and shepherd you. Y'all thank God every day. But besides that, y'all look at the same boy. Whew. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. Sounds like music in my ear. It's the sweetest name on earth. Tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. Tells me about that precious blood. This sinner's perfect plea. Tells me what my Father hath in store for every day. And though I tread a darksome path, your sunshine all the way. Tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Who any sorrow knows apart that no one can bear below. Oh, how he loves me. Have you ever thought about that just lately? God loves you. You, now watch this. He's burdened to say this. And God says it this way. I have loved you. Saith the Lord, but ye say, yeah, wherein has ye loved us? What? Did you read that verse? Look at it. Verse 2. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, yeah, wherein hast thou loved us? Are you serious? Yeah, God, like you really love us. He knows the virus going on. Yeah, God, sure you love us. You know, look what happened in 2020. And 2020 fun doesn't look a whole lot better. Yeah, like you love us. Like Biden, yeah, sure. <laughs> Took away Dr. Seuss. What's going on here, okay? Have you ever said that? God, you really love me, God. Can I just assure you he gave his only begotten son to die for you in your place? But God commended his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wherein have you loved me? Who would ever ask that question? Just skip down to verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and yet ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have ye polluted thee. In other words, he, that, that's an offering we give to him, something like tonight. And, and then God said, you haven't given me your best. You haven't given me the offering that I desired. And Peter said, oh, come on, God. You know, we give. Come on, God. We give. Come on, God. What are you talking about we don't give? Well, who in the world would have the audacity to talk to God that way? They didn't stop. 
Look at chapter 2, at verse number 17. Ye have wearied the Lord, saith your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? Pastor Brown, isn't it amazing when people kind of get out of God's will and you go visit them? That's your job. They haven't been in church for six months. And you simply say, hey, I'm just checking up on you. Why? We're, we're good. We're fine. I mean, we're not fanatics or anything, but you know, we're there six months ago. Have you ever wearied God? And God said, you wearied me. He said, well, God, we haven't wearied you. We're getting closer, right? Chapter 3, chapter 3. So look at verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, <laughs> wherein shall we return? Now, I'm just having a hard time just seeing this through. God goes to somebody, and they're away from God, and so God says, return. That means they have they backslidden, and God says, I want you to return to me. Come on, get back with me. And the people says, oh, we're okay. We're good. We're not backslidden. We're okay. This is God talking to people. Very next verse, verse 8. Well, the man robbed God. Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Can, can I just give you one little help right here? God knows exactly how much money you make. He's known every penny you've made in your entire lifetime. And he knows exactly how much you've tithed. Just let that one sink in there for a minute. He's the great balance. And he got burdened and he says, you know, I'm just trying to help. I know you've robbed me in ties. Can we, can, can we, Malachi, tell them to work it out because I don't want to curse them. And they go, what are you talking about? Stay with me, I'll let you sit down. What kind of people are these? Wherein have you loved me? Do I weary you? Do I call it evil good and good evil? I'm not backslidden. I don't rob you. What kind of people are these? They're in my church every Sunday. They're right here too. They're Christians. That's who he's talking to. They're the average Christian in a church. They might go on Sunday morning. They might not. Hardly back on Sunday night. They're average. They don't really tithe. They just give a little money. <laughs> they don't listen to God. They're just average Christians. Just listen. Average Christians do not build buildings. So, Bible Baptist, it's time to step up a little bit. That's why you're here tonight. Father in heaven, I pray tonight you'll speak to hearts and people. Accomplish that which you desire, please. Thanks for being that great, great God. For Christ's sake, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Sing about as Jesus Christ was showcasing his very ministry and 
If you remember some of the early miracles, uh, one that Jesus did, in fact, he was preaching, and there was quite the crowd on the Sea of Galilee in a cove right there. I, I would say 10 to 12, maybe 15,000 people. And as Jesus Christ was preaching to them, they got a little closer and closer and closer, and Jesus had to keep backing up and backing up and backing up. And as they got closer and closer, he had to back up. He noticed his foot hit the water. And now he's in the Sea of Galilee, and he's trying to teach them. And so he backs up another step, backs up another step. There, right there, right in front of him. He's trying to teach them. And he looks over there. He says, excuse me, sir, can I borrow your boat? And he borrows the boat of Peter. And so he borrows the boat of Peter. And, of course, Andrew is there. And, and his partner's over here, uh, James and John. They had a boat there also. And he says, Peter, thrust me out there a little bit. And he thrust Jesus Christ down. Jesus began to teach uh, from that boat. And he taught the multitude there uh, wonderfully. And after he got done, he, he got out of the boat. And he gave it back to Peter. And said, Peter, just go out there and launch out again. And uh, go and cast your nets out again. And uh, you'll be okay. Now here's Peter, and Peter says, Lord, Lord, Master, Rabboni, teacher, Bible man, fisherman, we toiled all night last night. You know, I'm fisherman, you preacher man, I'm fisherman, there's nothing out there we do. It's daytime, fish are not in the daytime. No, 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 no. And Jesus looked at him. Some look like. And Peter said these words, Nevertheless, okay. <laughs> Ever been there? Nevertheless, sure, I'll do it. And Peter goes out there to cast out the net. You know the story? And the Bible says, I love Jesus. Jesus is the master, isn't he? And uh, Jesus whistles whatever he does, you know, and all the fish just swarm over there. And they get into the net. And the nets began to break. So they're trying to get the fish in a boat. And the nets began to break. So get in the fish. And the boat begins to sink. John, John, James, come over here. They bring their boat over. As they bring their boat over, and the nets began to break. And they're throwing the boat. Now the boat's beginning to sink. And they got sinking fish boat over here. Sinking fish boat over here. And they have all the 10,000 people watching all this happen. Jesus says, hey, want to follow me? I'll make you fishers of all that. You know, Jesus Christ wasn't trying to catch fish. He was trying to catch Peter. Miracles are great. Big days are great. Stewardship is great. Every miracle teaches a lesson. I just preached Wednesday night, one of my favorite stories of the Bible about when Jesus Christ came upon the city of Nain and as he and his crowd were coming there, they can walk in the city just, just at the perfect timing. The city is coming out and right at the gates there's a massive crowd there anyway and a lady and a procession of a funeral walked out. And she had quite the crowd, but it's a pretty rough time. You understand, here comes Jesus Christ with his crowd. They're coming, and there's always the crowd at the gates of the city. They were there. Uh, they may not have attended the lady's uh, son's funeral, but uh, they were there to kind of watch her pass by. She's going to the graveyard, and just at the immaculate timing, uh, Jesus, his crowd walks up. They stop as the crowd's walking outside, and then Jesus sees the crowd, and he sees the lady leading the processional. Then he hears it. She's burying her only son. Ah, ah. Yeah, she's the widow. She has no husband, and now she loses her only son. Ah. Oh. I love it. Jesus, I don't know how he does it. 
That's not right. That's not right. And Jesus goes to the head of the possession. And he looks at the lady at the funeral, the lady who just lost her son, and he says, don't cry. Now, who goes to a funeral and goes to the lady who already lost her husband, now loses her only son, and tells her not to cry? Weep not. I don't know how Jesus said that. Maybe like this. Don't cry. Just watch. Just watch. And Jesus goes right to the bier, the coffin, and he puts his hand on, he stops the entire processional. People don't like when you stop funerals, okay? And he stops, stops on this lady. She could have, she's just watching. And Jesus touches the beer, the cough, and it says, as sand to thee arise. Now I know about you. And this young man in the coffin sits up. We saw Lazarus up here. Okay, good, all right? The, and then they lower this coffin down and son goes back to mom. A restored relationship occurs. Listen, is there a miracle there? Of course, raising the dead. To me, the miracle is this. Two minutes, two minutes later, that crowd would have been out. Jesus would have walked into the city. I really believe it's a, it's, a, it's a miracle of providence. It's a miracle that Jesus was there at the right time. They came out at the right time. He saw the lady at the right time. He heard the news at the right time. The right person was standing there, and the providence came, and Jesus heard, oh, she's a widow, and she lost her only son. I'm going to do something about this. And ladies and gentlemen, son, I really believe in the very miracle of providence that you are here by ordained service by God, and that you're building, and God wants you to do it. And so you are the elected ones to see what God is going to do through this church. Man, you ought to be excited about that. What a time to be here. Can I tie it in, please? When I think about the miracles that Jesus did and what we need to accomplish tonight, first of all, if you didn't have to have a building, then don't build it. If we're going to step up, before we step up in other areas of life, maybe step up in prayer. Let's just talk about that. How is your prayer life? You know, every time you preach on prayer, it always gets quiet, doesn't it? King James Bible, amen. And uh, for all he's done, amen. Let's talk about prayer. Oh, me. Oh, me. Prayer's hard work. Prayer's hard work. When I went to our church 33 years ago, came out from Indiana, just graduated from Bible college, my wife and I, three kids, and got to the church, and they, they were excited about having us. We were excited about being there. They forgot that we needed a place to live. That'd be a nice place, okay? So we got there, and we stayed in a hotel, the Matador. If you ever been to Chico, California, the Matador. What's the Matador like today? Same was 33 years ago. That's what it was like, all right? And we went to the Matador. <laughs> it was amazing, right? And so we have uh, four kids, a wife, a pastor, a brand-new pastor, and a two-bedroom hotel room for six weeks. Oh, yes. I was ready for my sabbatical before two months came up, right? <laughs> and uh, so there we were. And uh, I remember going to church. I was there. And, and about the fourth, fifth, sixth day, maybe a little longer. I think I was there less than two weeks, tenth day. And uh, I was there early in the morning. I just wanted to pray, try to get things started. I heard a knock on my door, knock on my door. 
I go to the outside door, there's a man there, and he's a transient man, and he hadn't bathed or shaved, and did not smell real nicely, got off the freeway, saw the church, came right down, it says 6.30 in the morning. And he said, excuse me, excuse me, can you help me a little bit? I said, sir, I'd be glad to help you, what can I do for you? He said, do you have any money? Do you have any money? I come down at 6.30 just to pray. I wasn't really prepared for the day. I wasn't in a suit and tie or anything like that. And honestly, I had, I had zero, just like this right. I had zero money, zero money. I said, sir, I don't, I said, I'm brand new here. I said, I just got here. I'm the new pastor. I just don't have any money on me. I'm sorry. He says, um, do, you have, do you have any food? Do you have any food? And I, I said, I don't even know. I said, I've only been here for like seven, eight days. I don't even know. I, I, I'm sorry, but there's no food like ready. I'm sorry. I, I don't have any food. I'm so sorry. And he goes, oh, okay. I said, well, what can I do? How can I help you? He goes, well, you don't have any money. You don't have any food, you know. So, I said, is there anything else I can do for you? <laughs> he goes, you got any socks? I said, what? He goes, you got any socks? I said, yeah, I do. I took off my shoes. This is, sounds disgusting, okay? They weren't black socks. They weren't brown socks. They were like maroon socks, not red, maroon socks. You know, the, I thought, there's nobody. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I don't have any money. I will next time. I'll be better prepared. I don't have any food. I will next time. But I got socks. He said, you can give me your socks. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I gave him the socks. I'd been praying and praying and praying. Our church forgot to tell me they weren't financially solvent. Kind of nice thing before you go there, you know. And I'd been praying and praying and praying and praying. So I asked the man, I said, I don't have any food, I don't have any money, but I got socks. He gave me socks. I said, but I got something better. He goes, what's that? So I'm going to tell you about my best friend. I said, you meet him, you'll never have to do what you're doing today. I got to sit down in this little office on a metal chair, and I got to lead the man to Christ. He got so excited. got so excited. Sure enough, I gave him a track to the church. here. Everybody here, you stop in again. And I remember him walking out there. He says, see there? Appreciate it. He held the maroon socks. I put those things away, but I just put them away. It's pretty popular. Don't tell me, God, from me, okay? I go home. Sure enough, I go home. My, 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 my kids know it's right. Dad, where are your socks? I said, no, don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. I got dressed, had breakfast, went to church that day, about 10 o'clock that morning. Another knock came my door. I said, what's going on here? And uh, no, no real secretary at the time, things like that. So there's two ladies came. As these two ladies came, I, I said, can I help you? They said, there's a lady that lives next to us. She's an elderly lady. We're supposed to deliver this to you. I said, deliver what? And she was a, like a large manila envelope. I said, well, who is it? She said, we don't even know her name. She asked us to come down and deliver it to you. I, I said, well, who are you? She says, we, we don't attend here. The lady next door asked us to deliver this. We're just supposed to deliver it to you. I said, well, I want to know who to thank. We don't know who it is. We're just supposed to get it. I said, fine, 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 fine. So they gave me the manila envelope and gave it to them. They walked out. I said goodbye to them. I don't know if you know preachers very well. So large manila envelope, you know, I'm just feeling it like what's inside here. Like, is it the size of a wallet? Not that we'd ever think that, or size like a bunch of $1 bills packed in there. And, and actually felt that way, it really did. I thought, God is so good. God is so good, okay? Been praying for finances, we so good. So I dig in my office. I set it on this chair over here. I went back to my praying spot over here. That lasted about two seconds. I went right back over here, and I opened it up, and there was $1 bills and $5 bills, $20 bills, $100 bills, $1,511. You know, some have been praying for finances, and I heard God, hey, 
hey, hey, Tim. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, you take care of those men that I send you, and I'll take care of you. The transit man? A pair of socks for 1511 If I would have given him my suit, we could have built the whole church right there, man. That would have worked right there. You know, some of you, I guarantee it, it all started over here on a knee saying, God, I need, and God, I need. And the people are coming, and the buildings aren't big enough. Oh, God, you got to meet a need. Can I ask you a question? Do you need to step up in this prayer thing? Let me just ask. Do you have an average prayer life? Or do you have a stepped up prayer life? We're building buildings here. We're, we're reaching Marysville. We're re reaching Yuba City. We're trying to make an impact on California. And God's assembled the people together. He wants us to do He wants us to step up a little bit. But I guarantee you it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. I heard pastors say that it's great to have a building program and so forth. He said it's all conducive to winning souls to Christ. Mm. We still need that, don't we? Well, it's COVID. Satan doesn't care. I, I would venture to say, I know it's in my church, this last year has been the worst year of salvations and baptisms in all the years I've been there. Satan's dancing the jig. Satan loves it. It's not going to go away, folks. It'll be something else. So just like I asked about the prayer thing, how, how is that knocking on doors, passing out of the track, asking someone if they could go to heaven? I do know this. God invests in people that invest in God's work. If I'm praying for God's work out there, winning souls to Christ, God have buildings to do it, God will bless that. Sowing is amazing. And God is so good. We've watched a lot of things happen. And I got a young man getting baptized tomorrow. And hopefully a young lady in my wife's prayer partner be baptized tomorrow. And that's exciting. But I remember one time I was out with my soul winning partner knocking on doors, knocking on doors, knocking on doors. And it wasn't a good day. And most people weren't home. And so we only had one track left. And I said, okay, we're going to get it done. He said, well, let's just go. And I said, we've got one track left. Let's not stop yet. But we're at the end of the block. And the next one was way down the other end of the block. And I said, fine. He goes, no, let's just, I said, let's just go. We've got one track left. Let's just go. And so Mark, it was his name, I took Mark on down there. So went down there, and the door was already open. I went, say, see, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the door is open, but the screen door is there. It's like one of those metal kind of shield doors, so you cannot see inside, but the lady can see me. And so I knocked on the door like this. I said, hello. I didn't know who it was. I just saw a figure down there, and all was very pleasant. It says, says, please leave me alone. That's all she said. Please leave me alone. Please leave me alone. It's my last track. <laughs> I'm going to finish my task. I'm going to get it done. So it's nice. It's nice. Hello. Nice voice. Hello. And then her voice came back, not quite as nice. I said, leave me alone. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. I've had worse. I've had worse. So I thought, okay, here we go. Here we go. One more time. Maybe just one more time. Bang. I can't. Hello, I know you said to leave me alone, I know. Then it came. I said, leave me alone. There's just some, oh. 
I got my exit out. My car is right there. Open the door. I'm ready to go. Whatever I have to do, I'm ready to go. I said, ma'am, I know you want to leave me alone, but... And that lady, I did not know this, that lady got up and she backed up her chair for that little dining room and started walking down that little hallway foyer and coming to the door. I don't know exactly because I couldn't see through the door, but this lady filled the entire hallway. I mean, she's about this wide coming down there. She opens the door and it just happened to be a young black lady. She got tears in her eyes. She goes, mister, let me tell you something, mister. She goes, I had a dream last night that I died and went to hell. I could not sleep. I'm crying my eyes out. I got my Bible on the kitchen table. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of hell. Now leave me alone. And I said, honey child, God sent me here to tell you how to get out of hell and how to go to heaven. I walked down that little foyer corridor. I went to the kitchen table and there she was. Her name was Maddie. And Maddie had the Bible on to John 3, 16. I looked at Maddie. You know what it says? She goes, no. I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever and believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I said, Maddie, let me tell you all about it. She sat down. I sat down. I went through the entire plan of salvation. Maddie's getting happy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Weeping hot tears. All the way through, I said, would you like to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior? She says, yes. I said, would you like to pray? No. You want to pray? No. She goes, I pray myself. Well, honey child, you go ahead and go for it. Have you ever heard a black lady under conviction has been up all night pray? <sighs> Hands on the table. Dear Lord Jesus, Oh, dear Lord Jesus, just last night I was laying in my bed. I had that dream. I was dying in the flames of hell. And sweat came all over my face. I was trying to get out. Could not get out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I had to wake up and start taking that Bible. I couldn't understand that. But oh, Jesus. Oh, and then you sent the preacher boy. Oh, you sent the preacher boy who kept knocking on my door. And knocking on my door. Oh, dear Jesus. Her hands were up in the air. And she's waving things like this. And she went through the sinner's prayer. And she, she stood up. And praise the Lord Jesus. And praise the Lord Jesus. And then she looked at me. That was not good. I stood up. I thought this was time. Actually, she grabbed a hold of me. Now watch this. She was large. And here's what it looked like. She had me wrapped around. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Oh, dear. She was bouncing. I thought I was going to heaven from a black lady's arms. Amen. Woo. I'm going to see her one day. I'm going to see her one day. How's, how's that soul winning? Oh, they're not home. <laughs> they're busy. One number off number address, probably a wrong address. It's not bothering them. <laughs> hey, folks, you don't need to build a building unless you're getting people to come. That'd be vanity. God's not in the vanity. So how is your soul winning? This is the worst time I've ever seen a nation. Suicide, domestic violence, anger, vulgarity, filthiness. I don't care if you've never believed in soul winning or knocking on doors. Just the decency of being a human being. Go help somebody. Go help somebody.
So how is my prayer life and how is my reaching others, my soul winning? Here's the reason we're here tonight. So I'll just ask. How is your giving? Have we robbed God? Have we robbed God? If God added up all your income your entire life, have you tithe off that? Or are we found wanting the balance? Giving is something, I want you to hear this, giving is something that has to be caught more than taught. Brother Brown, a long, long time ago, when I was 21 years of age, just knew they married David Gibbs Priest Messies in Corpus Christi, Texas, Lester Roloff, Johnny Pope. I never, I never heard preaching like that. I remember that night I had to get all my giving settled. I, I added up all the time. I ran a paper out all the time. I, whatever I did, just as a kid, add it all up. And I said, maybe, maybe to my life right now, I maybe made $10,000. I have no idea. Just a punk kid, you know. But I remember that night sitting next to my wife, and I took out a checkbook. And I remember I wrote a check. I tied on every single penny I've ever made in my life. I said, I'm not going to be found robbing God. I watched God just do things I never, never, ever experienced. And this is not vanity. I'm just saying it works. Did you ever hear that verse, give, and it shall be given you? Pressed down, shaken together. Anyone ever open a box of cereal and thought you got gypped? I mean, I'm serious, right? right? I mean, open a box of cereal and go, half of it's gone. Who was who, who, who the guy on the line that ate half of my box of cereal, right? And I passed it down there. I looked at it, this is no good. And so I looked at it, it says, we sell by weight, not by volume. I want both. I want both of them, right? Give me, I want the whole cow. Here we go. But God fixed that. God said, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. You give me. Here's what, I'll give it back to you. And I'll go and shake it together. In fact, I'll pack it down. I'll shake it together. I'll pack it down. And I'll shake it together. I'll pack it down. And I'll run it over for you. Do you know God gave you one word, give? And he gave 39 words for him to explain it to you. You ever read the verse? God gave you one word, just give. And then God takes 39 to explain how to give back to you. And he does. And he does. So, I want to teach my children how to do this. Want to teach how kids be giving? Yes. I want to teach them how not to live off their old man when they get older. That's why I was trying to do it, okay? So, I had a little Bible lesson. My wife was the, the best Bible teacher there is. And I was in Bible college and I heard it. So, I was going to teach my children how to give. So, I went out and bought four candy bars. And so, here's the illustration. I said, we're having devotions tonight. Dad's home. And so, we're going to learn how to give. Learn how to give. I called my oldest son. His name is Gabriel. And I said, Gabriel, you helped your dad out? Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. He was always manly. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. I said, Gabe, can you pass out these candy bars? I'll be glad to. I gave Gabriel three candy bars. Gabriel went over to Natalie. She went over to Jesse, his brother, and gave Jesse one. He went to his older sister, Maggie, gave Maggie one. And went over to Natalie. There's only three candy bars. And he went over to Natalie. And, Dad, I said, what? He goes, there's not enough for Natalie. Oh, 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 I said, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot. I ran up there, and I took a large, large candy bar. I said, oh, oh, and I gave it to Natalie. And you could just see Gabriel going, oh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> True story, next night, I said, Gabriel, hey, I'm going to teach you about giving. All the kids are going to learn about giving. Hey, Gabe, can you help me out? Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. I said, okay, can you pass off the candy bars, please? Because Dad will be glad to. I gave Gabriel three candy bars. Gabriel goes over to Jesse, gives Jesse a candy bar. 
Gabriel goes over to Maggie. He's Maggie the candy bar. Gabriel goes over to Natalie. And you just see that. <clears throat> kind of like when he watched the offering from the platform. <clears throat> Do I? Dad, I said, what? He said, there's not enough for Natalie. I said, oh, I cannot believe it. I walked over there and I got a large candy bar. I gave it to Natalie. You can just see my son's hand. <clears throat> Third night, true story. Devotions. Hey, Gabe. Yeah, Dad. Hey, I'm going to teach you on giving side. God's a great giver. And we need to learn how to be giving. Gabe, would you help me out? Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. Would you please pass off the candy bars? Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. I gave Gabriel three candy bars. Sure enough, gave one to Justine. Walked over here, gave one to Maggie. Slowly approached. And he gave one to Natalie. And he turns around and goes, Dad, I said, what? There's not enough candy bars for me. I said, oh, hold on, I forgot one. And I pulled on an extra large candy bar. And Gabriel and me goes, yes, yes, yes. It works, it works, it works, it works, it works. Oh, it works. That was Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday morning. I preach at Westfield Penitentiary. I get into the morning service. Jack Howes is preaching. As he's preaching, the offering comes. You have to be there before the offering. Brother Howes was a smart pastor, very smart. So, and the offering's passed. And I'm sitting in the second row to the back. Everyone's da, 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 the offertory's playing. Mrs. Colson's over there. And all of a sudden, I'm there. My wife's here. I'm there. Here's my son over here. I'm looking up there. I'm arm around my wife. I hear this God forsaken noise. I turn over there. My son had taken his glass piggy bank, taken a rubber stopper out, and he's now putting his pennies into a metal offering plate. And you can hear, and I scoot over like I do not know this kid, okay? So I don't know who he is. And he keeps going, I got my head down. I mean, he cannot see me from the pew. I'm going down. And Brother Howell's on the platform. He's looking around. I said, he's not going to see me, no way, no way. And again, the ushers are saying, look what's going on. I said, I don't know. I come ahead. He gets done. He puts the piggy bank there. I shove the plate over there. The offering plate goes by. I look. I said, I'm going to kill you when I get home. And so I said, I told you, you embarrassed me. I'm going to kill you. This is your last message. You better listen well. This is your last one right here. <laughs> so I'll just let you know right up front, okay? This is serious. I got the whole church looking at us. Son, what are you doing? I said, this is it. You better listen. I'll tell you what, as soon as we bow our head to pray, as soon as we bow our head to pray, no invitation, we're getting out of here, you're going home, and I'm going to light you up, buddy. You heard it probably a few times when you were at college. Brother Howell's got the God finished preaching. He says, and let me just make service right now. I don't want anyone leaving during the invitation. He said that. Brother Howell's, my son goes, <laughs> I look at him and says, that's a two-minute reprieve. I'm still going to kill you. Amen. Still going to kill you. Sure enough, the invitation got over. I took my son, second row from the back. I get him. I kind of just help him out a little bit, help him out a little bit, help him out a little bit. We're going to get to the door. We're going to go to the van. He is going to get killed. We're walking out of the foyer. Jeff Owens on the platform. Hey, Brother Rule, Brother Rule, Brother Rule, Brother Rule. I said, see you later. The sacrifice is going to happen. Here we go, okay? Brother Rule, Brother Rule. I said, no, I got to go. He says, I want to talk to your son. I said, you'll be the last one I ever talked to him. Here you go, all right? And Jeff Owens went to my son, and he said, I saw what you did, son. I saw what you did. Jeff Owens knelt down, pulled out a wallet, and gave my son, for like 25 cents of pennies, gave my son a $20 bill. And my son looked at me. He said, it works. It works. It works. Next Sunday, I got my piggy bank. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Come on, God, do it again. Here we go. 
What did you give last Sunday? Uh, uh, average. You're in a building program. How's that prayer life? How's that soul in? How's your giving? Last thing I'm done. A man taught me this. His name was James Rushing. How old are you? 23. I was about your age. Nope, it's a little older. And now I'm a lot older, so. <laughs> a man came to me and explained that verse, Luke 6:38. First name? Nathan. He said, Nathan, give, and it shall be given you. Hmm. You believe that? It's the Bible, right? Sure. Good answer. So Nathan, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you to give to missions. Well, let's use the building fund. Be okay? I want you to give to the building fund. Is this your? That's good. <laughs> if not, he's sitting way too close, just to let you know, okay? So, but, and I'm glad that you know, I haven't been married for a long time, because, you know, we're still sitting close. How's that sound? Okay, good. So, okay, here we go. It's a building fund. So Nathan, I want you to give to the building fund. So, okay? I want you to give $100. Every week. You just lost your smile. <laughs> you were doing so good. You know, Nathan, yeah, I'm married. I'm holding her hand. Yeah, I'll give $100. Like in a whole building fund, $100. Until so I said every week, you went, oh. Oh. Okay, I'll help you, okay? If you give $100 every week, I'll give you $100 every week to do it. Oh, you got your smile back. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. I got a smile back. All right. I'll do one better, okay? If you give $100 every single week, I'll give you $100, and I'll give you more than $100 every week. Oh, now you're smiling now with him now. Yeah. How do you do it? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I'll, I'll say the words again. Give, and it shall be given. You press down, shaking the other, and rolling over. God's just waiting for you. See, God is waiting for you. Well, if I can't give this, I won't have enough. No, if you give, then you'll get more. So do you believe the Bible or not? Do you believe the Bible or not? Yeah. That guy preached the message. He made this comment. He said, I love missions. I give $200 a week every week to missions. He was preaching a message. He says, yeah, I love missions. I give $200 every week to missions. I'm going, I need to go on evangelism. I mean, this, this is big time. This is not tithe. This is not offer. This is missions. I stopped him after the service. I could tell you exactly where we're standing. I stopped him after the service. I said, excuse me, Dr. Rushing. I said, I heard you made a comment. You love missions and you gave to missions. He goes, oh, I love missions. I give to missions. I also heard that you said you give $200 a week to missions. Because that's correct. I said $200 a week to missions. That's correct. I said, do you tithe your church? Oh, oh yes. Because I'm a pretty good giver to my church. And I give offerings, and I have a building commitment. I said, oh. And you still give? Yeah, I do. I just said, how, how do you do that? No, I was your age. I started giving $5 a week. $5 a week, that's all I give. And the world got bigger, so the next year I gave $5 more a week. So I gave $10 a week. 
The work kept growing. So the next year I gave $15 a week and it was up to 20 and 25, 30, 100. I give $200 a week. I thought amazing. Amazing. Give and God gives back. Never forgot it. And I, I was, I, honestly, I was, I was enamored. I was. I said, God bless you, sir. I walked away. He goes, hey, turn around. He goes, try it. Hmm. I didn't want him to say that. <laughs> With no vanity, honestly. Wednesday night, I wrote a check for $235 every Wednesday night. Don't miss. Last year was 230 year before, 225 For one reason, the principle works. You give, he gives back. We're done. Prayer life okay? Read some people to build a building? It's going to come down to some giving. And do you understand? Here's the time. Now's the place, and we're the people. So I'm going to ask you to give tonight. Not politely. Like, I can do this. Not calculatedly. I do this and this and this. And I can do this. Not, 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 it wasn't, not even, even kind of like by faith, I'll give a lecture. But generously. Generously. Do something that only God can get the credit for. It's true. I would think anyone here could give hundreds of dollars. And I'm not, I'm not trying, this is not my church, I'm just trying to help you. There's a lot of folks here who could give a lot more. The time's about over, folks. He's coming back. Which I hope I'm so far in debt when he comes back. I want, I want to max out every credit. I've already done that. I mean, who cares, you know, so... Okay. Pastor's going to come in just a minute. He's going to talk to you. He's going to probably take an offering tonight. But he's going to ask for a commitment. I want you to write down three little words. Can you do that? Someplace, write down three little words. All right? I'm going to try to help you over the next year. They're not hard. They're not hard. Put them on your phone, whatever. Three little words. It might be a little more than three words. Number one, unexpected. Unexpected. Can you do this? And now you make your commitment anytime you want to. You make it for a year long, six months long, next 30 days. Next 30 days. The word is unexpected. The word is what? Unexpected. One more time. The word is what? Unexpected. Look up here, I'll help you. Anything, I'll use 30 days. Anything in the next 30 days that comes in unexpected. Unexpected. You have no idea what's coming. It wasn't owed to you. Nothing. It just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. If something comes in the next 30 days unexpected, give it to the building fund. It's not yours. You weren't expecting it. Give it to the building fund. What's that word called? One more time. What's that called? True story. I mentioned that about a month ago, two weeks ago. A man said this, pastor, because I can't believe it. I put on an old pair. I had an old suit I brought out. I put my hands in my pocket. I haven't worn it for a year. There was money in my pocket. And the whole congregation said, unexpected, unexpected, unexpected. He goes, I got it, man. I'm giving it to you. Unexpected, unexpected. I had a lady say in the parking lot, I found a $20 bill. Unexpected. Unexpected. Hey, I'm not asking you to give anything. I'm just saying, it's just something that comes by the way. God's going to test you. He's going to say, hey, will you do it? Will you trust me? So anything, what's that word? It comes in the next 30 days or whatever commitment you make, next year, whatever you make. If it's unexpected, just give it back to God. 
I've done it. I refinanced my house 15 years ago. About seven, eight years after that, that bank sold the loan to another bank. I had nothing to do with it, no idea. I got a check in the mail, a good-sized check, during the banquet of unexpected. $2,300-something. I thought, I really thought this was coming, God. I was planning for it. You know how it is. You know, I, I, I remember seven years ago. He goes, no, 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 no. I thought, God is so good. God is so good. What's that word? Number two, sell something. Number two, sell something. Now, don't bring out, you know, your garage sale items you haven't seen for 45 years, you know. There's just some, honestly, you're not attached to, some that you don't use, but some has value. Put on eBay, Craigslist, whatever. Don't, don't tell me we can't give. You have more shoes than you can wear. One person could stew this whole room here, amen, you know. You got more clothes than you could ever use. Come on. Come on. We live in an abundance. Just take something worth value. Sell it. It's easy. Make a hundred bucks. Whatever. Make a hundred bucks. Number one word is what? Expectation. Number two, sell something. Sell something. Number three, just last one, I'm done. But then next year, pick up a job. A little extra work. Watch this. Mow a lawn. Wash a car. Iron for somebody. Paint somebody's room. For years, I'd go out and drywall a house. Building a bank would come up, and I know how to drywall, so I'd go drywall a house. I'd work two or three, four nights in a row and, you know, lose a little sleep, but I made a thousand bucks a week doing drywall. Easy. I'd go drywall a house, try to draw another house. And so I was able to give. Just took a little extra work. There's just ways to do it. Number one, unexpected. Number two, just sell something. Number three, just pull some extra hours. Now, I'm not telling you to put your family in dire needs, or I'm not telling you to stop. I'm not, not just, just, just in one year, just do a little extra. My sister ironed. She's a single mom, putting good through Christian school, and she ironed. That's all she did, she's ironed. That's $3,000. Bible Baptist Church needs to step up. You need to help Marysville, Yuba City. And God called you here this night, Providence, to say try something. Here's the word, nevertheless, okay, I'll try it. Father in heaven, these are the cream of the crop people, no doubt. On the 19th of this month, I'll look at the same people in my church and looking forward to it. But Lord, uh, we, we knew we came here tonight about finance. We knew that. We also knew that we had kind of prepared to come here tonight, maybe for an offering tonight, or maybe what can we do? My wife and I pray about this often. My wife is a whole lot better giver than I am. But Lord, now for 26, 27 years, we've watched you do miraculous things because you're that God. So tonight, Lord, can I ask this very quickly? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. There'll be somebody here to say, you know, some brother rule, I, before we go on with the offering, I just need to say, I need a little help in my prayer life. I think God kind of spoke to me tonight about my prayer life. That's me. That's me. If God spoke to you about prayer, would you lift your hand tonight? Lift your hand. Oh, all over the room. God bless you. And that's good. 
That's good. My hand's up too. How many say this, Pastor? You know, it's right. I haven't really passed out of track lately, this whole thing going on, and I'm not knocking on doors. I haven't led a soul to Christ for a while, and God kind of just pulled on my heartstrings and said, I need to get back out there. I need, I, need to, I need to share my faith. I need to help somebody else. And God spoke to me during that part. And that's you. Would you raise your hand also? Anybody like that? Oh, good. Good. Thank you. And here we are. We're here tonight forgiving. Are you an average giver? An okay giver? Maybe even a good giver. But tonight, would you maybe challenge yourself? I want to be a great giver. And God will maybe touch your heart, Ace Mary's to come, but tonight, to be a giver. If God spoke to your heart, would you lift a hand again also? There you go. There you go. Father in heaven, help preacher. He's a good man. Pastor, I honestly believe, has never tried to raise money. I believe has always tried to meet needs. And sometimes money meets needs. We're not here to build buildings or have artifices or, or to have the right ambience or motif in a room. We're here to please you and win souls to Christ. We just need space to do it. As I looked around the buildings, there's nothing lavish here. There's nothing ornate here. Lord, it's just pretty, uh, pretty usable. So, Lord, would you send the funds that this church needs through these people here as we pray tonight. Lord, use us. Use us, please. Pastor. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.